Hello, everyone. Welcome into Living Liberty Today. I'm your host, Charlie Earle. This is episode 49. We're calling this one Certain Uncertainty. Yeah, figure that one out if you can. Basically, what it is, it's my personal reflection on the way things are going. Um, it's crazy out there. We know the markets uh, kind of reflect part of that craziness when you given the fact that most of this past week, uh, the Dow and the NASDAQ, for example, were floating in the red. And then on Friday, they had a big surge with about a 440-point increase in the Dow and a 140-point increase in the NASDAQ. What does that mean? Does that mean that suddenly overnight those stocks have become more valuable? No. What it means is the dollar strengthened. Ergo, the stock value or the value of the shares was firmer. Now, all these things interplay with one another. I should say, correspondingly, on Friday, the precious metal commodities all went down. So the value, the market value of gold on the open market went down, the same for silver, because their balance, their value is reflected in the overall strength of the other markets and and uh, stock available out there for you. It's a balancing game. Think of it as a teeter-totter. When one goes up, the other goes down. When the market goes up, bonds and precious commodities go down. So that's sort of the way we're looking at it. All it means is not much. It'll change on Monday, as it will on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and so forth into the foreseeable future. I'd like to talk about a couple of articles today, not as many as I typically do, just because I, I want to use these articles as launching points for more of my ranting and tirades as we go on. The first one is from a, one of my old reliables. It's the Bill Bonner's Diary, and specifically the one from Thursday, July 8th, and he quotes... Uh, Ms. Rana Forhar, writing in the Financial Times, and she made some suggestions that, that Bill passed along to us. I'm just going to do some minor quotes here, selective quotes. First of all, uh, stating that capitalism crema- created almost all the wealth we enjoy. The only alternative is some form of political control over capital, business, markets, and people. Okay, we'll stop with that quote there, and I'll move into my commentary on that. Those of you who think we live in a capitalist United States uh, are mis... How do I put it? Misinformed might be the best way to put it, because what we have is a government corporate entity where governments regulate and control and put the heavy hand of enforcement on corporate behavior. But at the same time, they get into bed with and work in concert with huge mega corporations, many of them global in nature, which then puts small businesses and startups and entrepreneurs at a disadvantage. 
You wonder why we have licensing in nearly every aspect of economic life in America? The reason is people who already have the jobs, the skills, or the businesses want to restrain the number of people who can enter that field. Hence, we have licensing. And you have to jump through a bunch of hoops and prove uh, not much, really. Uh, the, the testing and the means for doing so are usually rather arcane, but you have to jump through them, pay a bunch of money, and then hope that your license is issued by the governing body. And that is so the big people already in the business can get a heads up and a leg up on you and keep you out of the market. Okay, back to more quoting here from Bonner's diary. There's only two ways to get what you want. And this is uh, from Bill's book, Win, Win, or Lose book. It says, either you bargain, trade, and persuade for it, that is, providing goods and services to others in exchange for goods and services from them, or you take it by force. Now, taking it by force is otherwise known as theft, burglary, corruption, payoffs, giveaways, income redistribution, socialism, communism, fascism, so forth and so on, as far as the eye can see. You either make it or you take it. There's no other way. And there's no example in all of history where a politically controlled, centrally planned economy, that is, taking it, was more fruitful than a free economy, which is making it. First problem with central pl- planning, according to Bill, is that it relies on the aforementioned force and is therefore doomed from the get-go. Okay, I'm going to go into a Charlie Earl parenthetical here. Yes, aforementioned force doomed from the get-go in the long term. But in the short term, it just keeps gobbling up all the assets of people, including their labor. And for so in the short term, it appears to be profitable and workable. But as we know, historically, it's never worked for the long term. He goes on to say, as we will see the planning for central controlled economies is as fake as the dollar. Good line there, I believe. The world improvers pretend that they are preparing for the future. What they are really up to is trying to change the future, which inevitably leads to taking things that don't belong to them. And I'll tell you, that's a good illustration. It's a good picture of where we are right now. So... Keep that in mind. The second problem with central planning is that the plans all depend on the part of the time spectrum that is unknowable. Planning for the future, the future is unknowable. The planners are always trying to make better tomorrows without knowing what tomorrow would have been like if they'd simply left it alone. I think when you start thinking of bureaucrats and central planners, just think of a bunch of busybodies looking for busy work and things to do, things to tweak, things to mess with, including your minds and your hopes. Going back to Bill, and one tomorrow long ago, 
the automobile was invented, and suddenly plans for more horse-watering troughs were obsolete. I used to use a similar illustration in my speeches talking about the buggy whip industry. Or in another planning scheme going forward, the Internet popped up and changed things. And he gives a, an historical illustration that I can recall. I'm sure many of you, too, you can as well. Go back to the Nixon administration. Now, when we're thinking about the Nixon administration, it's not that long ago in the, in the scheme of things. For example, Nixon administration might have tried to steal a march in the battle against climate change, but it probably would have marched in the wrong direction because in 1974, Time magazine asked the question, are we facing another ice age? In other words, if the Nixon administration had tried to wrestle with the global issues of that time, they would have tried everything they could to make the planet warmer because of the pending ice age that many thought we were, we were going to be embracing at the time. Or Nixon had an opening to China. If they'd had seen far into the future, they might have seen China as a geopolitical threat, but in their view at that time, back in the 70s, China was merely an undeveloped market of billions of people struggling to make it go. So you can see what central planning or planning for the future in a broad scale, uh, there are too many intervening variables. There are too many things that change, too many things that can go wrong. And so it's doomed to failure in the long term, uh, regardless of how much you embrace it and how much you believe in equity and sharing and all that kind of stuff. The models are all going to be wrong at some point going ahead. A second article I want to recommend to you, and I would encourage you to, to get it and read it. It also is from uh, the 8th. I found it in Retraction Watch, which is a, uh, a, a newsletter that I get here because I want to know all the science and all the economic models and all the news stories and things that we see day to day, which are trying to inform us or influence us, usually the latter more than the former. I want to know which ones ultimately had to be retracted. Now, you don't always find out about that because, as they used to say in the newspaper business, we slam somebody on page one and we apologize on page eight in fine print. And that's sort of the way it goes with science and economic and political models and things of that nature. The harm is done up front and the apology or the fault or the retraction comes out in small print, small stories, and usually hidden under the radar. So I, I get retraction watch. It's not comprehensive or universal. It's pretty selective in what it picks. And I suspect a lot of that is because it has to get, you know, some verification to back it up. And, and uh, so they want to be pretty, pretty sure about that. But this article... Refer or retraction watch had an article from 538 
uh, and that's all spelled out. 538 is all spelled out, and it was from Thursday the 8th, and it talks about how science moved beyond peer review during the pandemic. Now, I think you ought to read it and look it over. It gives you some really good insight in how many things are rushed to print and accepted as, quote, scientific gospel, end quote, without being thoroughly and fully peer-reviewed. And even those that seem to have been peer-reviewed were reviewed by peers with stakes in the outcome. In fact, in one case, they had cohorts of the paper's authors reviewing the paper, which isn't exactly uh, kosher, if you get what I mean. You try to get objective, uh, uncommitted, uninvolved people who know the field to review the paper and point out any deficiencies, shortcomings, or errors that may be there. But they sort of bypassed that whole thing and went on. And it that brings me to a, a point that I've had, a difficulty I've had with this whole pandemic stuff. I've told you several times. I'll repeat it again because it still annoys the hell out of me. All during this whole, quote, pandemic mess, we've had a failure on the health community, nationally, statewide, globally, locally, to promote and encourage building our immune systems, which to me is just logical and sensible. I mean, it's something as individuals we should be doing anyway because so many areas our diets are deficient and don't help our immune systems. And also the lack of support, concern, and willingness to use therapeutics. And so that makes you question question not only the wisdom but the honesty of the people giving us information in that field. So I'll just let those linger with you. Let's say that some of the things we are certain about are rather uncertain and some of the things we are uncertain about, yes, they're uncertain. So it's a, it's a foggy gray area we're negotiating right now and we can't see our path too clearly, but keep the faith. Remember, Stay free and be free. This is Living Liberty Today. I'm your host, Charlie Earle.